reporters. Um, I'm here with Jeff Graham. Is it Jeffrey or Jeff? Jeff is great. Jeff. My sister calls me Jeffrey. With a G, um, which is a cool spelling of Jeff, whoever came up with that. But anyway, um, I wanted to start off with, um, so, so you're the founder and CEO. Do you have another founder? No, I'm the founder. Just you. Yeah, it was it was a long, lonely road for a while. There's not yeah. many. Um, there's not many of those. It seems like most people nowadays have go at it with someone else. How did how did that come about? Just you. Well, I can see why they do. It was uh, um, it was kind of lonely for a while when I was just getting started, especially in the in 2003, where there wasn't much of a cohesive startup community in Atlanta. Um, that's definitely changed now. But it, uh, if you're asking how, how I got started with the company, I had been, I've spent my whole life in the construction industry. And from the time I was a teenager, uh, some of my first jobs were working as a carpenter's assistant or on a framing crew or things like that. I started building homes after I got out of college, then went into real estate development, partnered with my brother and father developing a a big community in Charleston, South Carolina. That was uh, Ion? That's right. Yep. Yeah. Um, and Ion is a 244-acre, 762-home, mixed-use, walkable community. Uh, we're, we're friends with the developers of, uh, of Glenwood Park. And if you think about Glenwood Park... Is that Brewer? Was Char- was Charles, Char- okay. yeah. Charles and, uh, and Catherine Kelly headed up that project with him. Um, who went on to Jamestown. Yep, yeah, yeah, that. Green Street, right? That's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and now I think she's gone on to do other things too. But anyway, so we were developing real estate, and it was a pretty big scale and at a big pace for a company as small as ours. And I wanted to figure out a way to monitor the quality of experience that our home buyers were having. They were buying and building beautiful, awesome homes. And we had a lot of home sites to sell, so if we're going to make it to that 762nd home site without going out of business, we needed those people to be really happy. So I started surveying our buyers, and this was in the late 90s, and uh, and got a whole bunch of feedback. It was super powerful, super useful for us, and I was like, oh, you know, probably turn this into a business, and we were selling lots to home builders to build houses, mostly small home builders building custom homes or the largest one of them probably built 25 or 30 homes per year. And uh, and as an afterthought, after getting all this feedback back, I shared it with them, like broke it down and, uh, you know, with simple spreadsheets and their response. Like, hey, this is really great. I love seeing this sort of feedback. Never seen this sort of stuff before. I wish I could get this done for all the places where I build. You know, I have customers on, clients on Isle of Palms or over at Kiowa or whatever. It'd be great to have that information in. And so I thought, you know, there's a real business here. Um, but this was the late 90s. Really, the Internet wasn't really yet a thing. High-speed Internet was just beginning to become available. People were starting to use it. Um, but I filed the idea away, and, uh, and we kept plugging along, developing our neighborhood. And then um, when I felt like I, the neighborhood was far enough along that it didn't much need me anymore, by that point, the internet had started to be a real thing, and so I started Guild Quality. So today we have 
nearly 2,000 home builders, remodelers, home improvement companies rely on Guild Quality to help them monitor and improve the quality of the work. Um, we surveyed probably 40,000 homeowners last month about their experience. In our history, we have uh, interviewed over a million homeowners, 10,000 users in our system, and uh, and 27 employees right here in, in the great city of Atlanta. <laughs> you guys are one of these, we were talking about this just before, but one of these companies that uh, has probably flown a little bit under the radar for mm-hmm. multiple reasons. Um, it's a, I mean, I don't know, you might have some theories on why that might be partially your personality or how you like it or the industry that it's in or the long period of time that, you know, it... it yeah, I, I think we've been at it for a long time. We were on a great tear. First, we... we Real quickly, when was, when you said you left the, the development industry to then, um, by the way, Marta, you're right on the, you're right next to Sweetwater in this yeah, office. Really, so really neat office building, but it's on the Marta and a rail line. Yeah, so we you, may have to stop this if a slow train goes by, <laughs> so right. I can run out there. <laughs> that's, that works. So um, you said you left the development world, uh, like you had filed this idea away, but then once it got far enough along the yeah, development, that was like two thousand two. Okay, um, and so, I'm still in, I'm still in real estate development, but Guild Quality is my full time job. So what was the roughly what was the progress from O two to today? I mean, like, so was man, there a period of time where there wasn't much going on, but you were working on I, it, or you know, I was figuring it out. I I know, or at least at the time, knew as much about software development and building a software company as I knew about, and as a real estate developer, about paving roads or putting in storm drainage and things like that. You just, I got into this without really knowing that, probably nowadays people would say, well, you can't start it. Well, many people would say you shouldn't start a software company if you're not a developer, right. at least some form or fashion. Yep. I didn't know that. I yep. didn't know that I was not supposed to do that. And I think a lot of things would have been easier, probably a lot of things would have been harder, but it took us a while to get our act together and get going. But once we did, um, things started going great. Our initial focus was strictly on the the home building market, and uh, and we were on a great tear. Um, Weren't quite at a million dollars in revenue, but we're we're just shy of a million dollars when the market fell apart. Hmm. And we had to aggressively, uh, you know, we had to make some big changes in the way we were running the business. And right. at that point, we diversified. But we had always had remodelers as part of our business, but we more aggressively pursued the remodeling and home services market for our service. And so that we were flat, you know, from 2007 to 2011 and, and shook off the cooties of the market and starting <laughs> to get some wind behind our backs and now we've been on a good tear again right um but the re- you asked yeah, like yeah, why yeah. light you know why are we under the radar screen i think you know we're uh we haven't we have tended to market our service to our prospective customers yeah and not to the news media yep. or to uh, order the investment community or things like that. They don't buy anything from us, so yeah. we don't market. It, it to doesn't them. matter. Um, and we're not. We're a B two B. And though we're though we're introducing pretty aggressively some uh, some consumer side things, but but there's just not a real reason why you wouldn't know about it. Yeah. We're not yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
But, the, I mean, those guys are doing a great job. We're, we've been just building our business. Yep. You know? And that's why yeah. I think... Um, I think these style of companies, I mean, I, I interviewed this guy recently from a company called Shoot Proof. It was like, oh, yeah. You, Is it Robert or Colin? Colin. Yeah. And um, you know those guys? Yeah, they're yeah. great. They're awesome. See, like, I, I think you guys. Those are the people that I, I love to talk about in Atlanta startup community. I, I totally agree. I think that's the most interesting stories. And, and by the way, there's a ton of them. They're, they're, they're a little harder to find, but there's a ton of them. In it. Not a ton, but there's a decent amount of them There here. are a lot. And they're really interesting. Yeah. And they're, I mean, just as an example, those guys are in like Galleria. You would, uh-huh. They're not in the center of the, the world, but they're just doing some really interesting stuff. And you go to their office, they have a great culture and environment and all that. So I would liken you guys to them. Yeah, we are actually, we started, well, Alan, uh, um, at Penn, uh, Alan at Tourbuzz, do you know Tourbuzz mm-hmm. guys? Yeah. They together with um, uh, with those guys, we started a roundtable group that meets about every quarter. Okay, and Shootproof joined us in that about two years ago. Okay, so we have ten software as a service businesses. It's called SaaS Day, and we're mostly not all, but mostly sort of under the radar, fast growing. Tended to be sort of you know self-funded or uh, or bootstrapped. Yeah. There are a couple venture back companies in there. It's growing our business type things. Yeah, and, yeah. and guys like Robert and Colin yeah. are in that group. Interesting. Yeah. So real quickly, when you were saying you know you're not a developer, obviously. Sorry, you're not a real estate developer. I'm a real estate developer. I mean, you're not a yeah, you're not a web developer. Yeah. Um, and you were saying, but you didn't know what the rules were necessarily. So, how did you actually get it going at first? Like, we outsourced version one of our application development to uh, to an agency. Okay. So, but what was the timing? Like, like you had this idea, and then you were like, "I'll just fund it." Or did you, you mentioned? I think um, you raised a little bit of friends and family money. Or oh yeah, whatever. we actually but, raised a lot of friends and family. It just kept did you more did more. you do it right up front, or did you once now, over was, time? Okay. I mean, I put my money in. This yeah. was a time that in real estate, you uh, you didn't have to be all that smart to be making money in real estate. And if you were reasonably smart, you could do really, really right. well. So, okay. So and you so took that we were, uh, dumb real estate money and put it in. Yeah. Um, we used to think we were so smart. It <laughs> fell apart. Um, and we got humble quick. Um, but we were taking money that we were making in real estate and putting it into growing guild quality. Okay. Um, so, and that's the only money you've ever yeah, taken. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but we've been profit. We had to become all that money went away in 2007. Yeah. So we became profitable, you know, almost overnight. Right. And really over a small period. Um, and actually, we we used as bridge financing um, customer prepayments. We offered up prepay for a year, and that covered our the, the shortfall that we would have. Right. Had. Did you ever consider raising institutional uh, God, money? I tried so hard. Are you kidding? <laughs> so can you imagine? So I love this this theme. It seems like like Cummings mentioned that he tried. Um, the Mailchimp guys tried. It's it's like a lot of people that don't raise money they tried and then they, and now they're happy they did. Oh, I'm so thrilled! Like oh, we would be out of business if we raised money. There's yeah. no question. If we'd raise money then, so you tried, I think now yeah. we have like a real like now we actually <laughs> when you we, don't need it yeah when we don't need it happens. now everyone's calling yeah um, but uh, but so we tried very hard but so picture this you have a company a software business 
that sells a solution to the home building and remodeling market in late 2000 and early 2008. <laughs> like, who's going to give you any money for that? <laughs> you know, nobody. And so, but we tried. We did a lot, went and met with a lot of people, and, and, um, and they wisely were uninterested. <laughs> it would have destroyed our business, taking the money. We've become successful and are a great, have, have been a great investment for our uh, friends and family that have invested. But it, I can't imagine how it would have worked out well. Just, just quickly, did you, are they, did you kind of get them out? I mean, do, no, they're still they're in. Still in yeah, yeah, they're still in. So, yeah. uh, so we're an S Corp. We have, I think, nine shareholders, almost all of them, all but like three or four have the last name of Graham. <laughs> um, almost all of them, except for a couple, are in real estate development in some <laughs> form or fashion. And, uh, and they had, I'm the, I'm the plurality shareholder, but not the majority shareholder. Right. So, but it's, I mean, it's easy. People talk about, their, I need to meet with their board and things like that. Yeah. We have a group of shareholders that their entire view is like, whatever you want to do is just fine with yeah, us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> How, by the way, um, some people will say that, that, um, the knock on these style companies is, and maybe yours is a little bit different, but sometimes the knock on companies that don't have investors, or whatever is the, the time horizons are different. Sometimes there's not the sense of urgency. There's not a milestone that you have to hit next quarter and all that. There's trust me that, and I, and I yeah. know this, there's huge advantages to that as well. But, um, you, you guys are at a different pace. The treadmill is not running at the pace as, as if you raised, you know, $20 million and, and you, your valuation has to be X and whatever. Yeah, right? So it's different, but that's good too, because um, I mean, I just read a quote recently. I think it was Ben Chestnut, the MailChimp CEO. Um, I thought he had a really good quote around the idea of the trick is to hang around long enough. Um, not necessarily to hit the flywheel, but to, to try a bunch of different things. I mean, like you just need to hang around long enough. To, it is, it is, I, it was that from his, he had an email yesterday. Yeah, yeah it was that. great. It was I tremendous. Like, it was so awesome. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like just being around. Like we, one of our, no, no single one of our customers is more than 2% of our revenue. And I liked how uh, Ben said and that like they don't have a single customer that's more than 0.01% of yeah. their revenue, which is awesome. Yeah. But none of ours are more than, maybe even more than 0.1% of our revenue. But or one percent of our revenue, but like you're around long enough, like sometimes it just takes people seven or eight years to decide they are ready to sign up for your service. <laughs> and Talk about a sales so it's nice thing. to be around. Yeah. Um, How much have you guys benefited from just being around a long enough time to to stumble into things that if if time was a real issue, like you wouldn't have found. Like you know, you just kind of we had a nice little business. We were comfortable. We were break even. We were paying. You know, we 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 were stable, and then we stumbled into something else. You know, like like we wouldn't have been able to find it if we were looking for it. But just two three years later, we tried some things. And you know, it's hard to say. Um, a lot of the decisions we made that have turned out to be really good were things that. Um, that we didn't think would be meaningful or would amount to much that we just thought would be fun to do. Um, and they're probably decisions we wouldn't have 
made if we'd felt a much greater sense of scrutiny on how we were spending our money or our pace of growth or whatever, but some of those crazy ideas have been the things that have been really great that have pushed us up or broadened our market or made us more attractive or whatever. Um, but I don't want, I, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I wouldn't knock. It's just a different way of doing business. I think there's some great advantages that not only is it a different way, it's the normal way of doing mm-hmm. business. Like yep. Most businesses are either started with your own money yep. and you get it going or you get a bank loan to start the business and you do it. It's The whole notion of going out and raising capital for, to start your business is very weird. Yeah. And it's just something that only seems to be super common in the software world. Yeah. But, uh, but there are some great things about raising, you know, <laughs> raising money. Yep. And it's... Uh, which we've not raised any institutional investment before, but but um, especially I think if you're in it to to sell your business in a relatively short period of time, yeah. I kind of think it would probably be for most people, and there's there's some notable exceptions, David being one, but for for most people, probably raising money is probably a good idea yeah. to have some people because I met like all these people call me all the time, and they're like, hey, have you thought about Strategic partners potentially yep. acquire us for prospective thinking about acquiring yeah. us, and I know they've bought hundreds of businesses, and I've never sold a business before. Yeah, and it'd be nice to have someone if we were seriously considering that sort of thing. It'd be nice to have someone on our side of the table helping out. And I yeah. think a, I think a, like a institutional investor would be helpful for that. Yeah, I guess. What's your um so you've been and a lot of other things, but yeah, but still, yeah, they could be, you know, they change your priorities. Yep, I mean some, uh, I mean many um, technology businesses. I don't like the term land grab, and I actually think it's mostly a scare tactic. <laughs> you know, it's like it's a land grab. You got to move fast. Um, I think there's actually very few types of businesses that are actually that, but there's many businesses where speed to market. Um, it does have advantages, and if you're bootstrapping it, that's hard. I mean, mm-hmm. you just you can't move fast enough to capture some of the market, um, or even businesses that are have a nice uptick and are doing well. If you can put, you know, and they're but they're like stink, sticking bootstrapped. Um, sometimes it makes sense to take to have investment because it's like, man. We can get customers all day long. We just need to hire 20 sales reps to do it, and that's expensive. Mm-hmm. And we only hire one at a time because we grow organically. Especially in the SaaS world. Yep. Yeah, the way so the so sometimes you, know, you need to turn it on, and I guess that would be there. <clears throat> Real quickly, what's your – you've been doing this for a while. Yeah. Do you want to do this – like do you want to run Guild Quality for the rest of your career – do you want to? Are you? Is someone going to come knocking with some deal that you can't resist? I mean, what what what's kind of? This is a different style of business than one that does raise money because one that raises money, they have a three to seven year time horizon, and you if you don't sell, then it was a failure. Is one of the two, but mm-hmm. it has to happen in that period of time. Like they're not going to wait twenty years for you to run it. It's a little different here. Um, so anyway, what's kind of? How do you think about the business and you, the growth of it and hanging around and all that stuff? Well. Uh, for me personally, I guess there's two ways to answer it. Like, what's the right thing for the company to do? Um, and what's the right thing for me to do? And those don't need to be the same thing. Um, 
I struggle a lot with the, and I think you probably might too, struggle with the, um, do I want to be a founder or do I want to be a CEO? Mm -hmm. And they're two very different roles. Um, and, uh, and for the CEO side, especially for the size of company where we've become and are becoming ambitious hiring plans, ambitious growth plans, things like that, to, to it gets harder and harder to, uh, to feel like I'm doing a really good job mm -hmm. every day. Um, because it's more now about people and empowering people and working through people and helping people, you know, realize their dreams and aspirations at your company. And, and great CEOs who can do that really well and create, you know, help their cultures hold on to those things as they get large, they're, they're exceptional. Yeah. So, and for a founder, it's just an entirely different skill set. Yep. It's just completely different, and what you do on a daily basis is different. So I struggle, candidly, yeah. I struggle with that virtually every day. Um, for what's right for the company, uh, we've got you know great recurring revenue, uh, really strong retention rate, growing at a good clip. Uh, we have tons of assets, um, the, the data we have, the, the customer base we have, the type of information we collect, and that's of value to a lot of people and we're making the decision now well the decision we're making is to build guild quality out as a platform rather than just a service um, a place where homeowners and contractors come together to to make the greatest stuff they can happen mm. the greatest stuff happen um, but we need to move our business to get to that we need to move our business from where it is right now which is just as a service that they pay us a monthly fee for right um, but I guess I really where I'm going with that is I think we have a lot of really valuable things. And if someone wanted to buy our business and the terms and the price or what they would or something that would be attractive to us, we would sell the company. I joke. My brother is a pretty funny guy. But one of his sayings is everything's for sale except my dog. <laughs> um, and the price would be pretty high because we enjoy what we're doing. Yep. We really enjoy it, and it's great, and it provides a great, you know, I get a lot of satisfaction out of it. The team really enjoys it. But uh, but it's always out there. Yep. We probably spend too much of a, an absurd amount of time fretting over all the opportunities that come our way whenever yeah. we get a call from someone who really is a qualified person to right. to buy. Yep. Um, but your question was, what would I be? What will I be doing? I like to do lots of things, you know. I really do. Now that you've been doing this, do you consider yourself entrepreneurial in the sense that some people are just one trick ponies? They, they, they. This is a, a passion, and they only wanted to do one thing. They're not necessarily entrepreneurs. For you, are you? Do you have other thoughts? Like, oh man, that'd be you know. Because oh, yeah. I've got my spreadsheet. Don't yeah. you have your, uh, like, I do. All, all Mol Moleskin and Evernote. Yeah. But, um, but um, yeah, I've got a bunch of spread, and I've started little side things here, or there, and uh, and if they get enough, and some are businesses, and some are not. Some yep. are just sort of things. Yeah. But uh, but I would, I really would like to actually start a number of businesses, and I admire. And I have started a number of them, but they've been little small things, and you wait until... I'd like to get back into real estate development, building things, which is a lot of fun. Residential, on the residential side? 
If not, yeah. let's talk about switching. Yeah. Like. <laughs> um, I don't, though, being in, I mean, being in, it's sort of like if you really like to eat, maybe you should start a restaurant. Like, I feel like um, I don't want to start a restaurant, but I do love the path that you're, yeah. that you're going on. I'm real excited about it. And, and, and uh, I got involved with, uh, with Tim Dore restarting Ignition Alley. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, I remember there. Ignition Alley. I didn't know um, you were involved in the second he, version of it. He launched it with Mike Schenkel. Yeah. And uh, on on the Pont side of the on yeah, and yeah then on he the moved Ponce it. Highland side and then, then he moved it over there. I was I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, we I partnered together okay. with our landlord no and way. we each put in some money and tried to get that going. Um but uh but doing that experience, I was like, there was never going to be enough money in it for any one of our partners to be willing to pay attention to it. Yeah. But it was always a kind of business. We, all three of us probably felt this way that, like, you know, that you could do something really cool yeah. with this. And it's planned. I'd like to do that. I'd like to build a little cool family mountain lodge in the western North Carolina mountains. A um, bunch of other software company ideas. Yeah. You know. So do you want to, uh, it sounds like you kind of want to uh, put a, a bit of a system around doing more of these. Not like, it sounds like you're kind of doing some few for fun right now, but you'd actually kind of want to start regularly doing more of these. I would, yeah. Um, I feel like I'll be doing a great job here at Guild Quality when I can disappear for six months right. and the business looks you know, yeah. just the same or even better than had I been here every yeah. day. And, uh, and, you know, we're probably at that point now, but I don't quite feel comfortable enough to yeah, take to my office because, you know, my other entrepreneurial endeavors, they really like, they were super great early before guild quality in the early years of guild quality. They were all real estate and all that went away. Yeah. The market collapsed. And so, you know, we got two children now and, and a wife and home and all those things. And you got to, and I got all my eggs in this basket <laughs> right here. So yeah. I'm not quite comfortable enough to take my eye off yeah. of this ball. <clears throat> that is one uh, interesting advantage maybe of this style of company. If you raised money, well, you raised the most expensive money you could raise, right? Family money because mm -hmm. they let you hear about it every Thanksgiving. Because, yeah, but know, I'm saying family's it, actually great about it. But I've heard <laughs> that. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So if you raise, but if you raised institutional money, there's no way you could. Okay, we invested a couple million dollars in this company, and the founder is, or the CEO founder is like starting some other. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know if it's, we it's had raised, if it had been institutional money rather than friends and family. Um, I would have walked away from it. Yeah. And when it, it was when bad. It, yeah. I mean, it was like, we all know, like, oh, the market was bad or whatever. But if you were in real estate and construction, you know how bad it yeah. was as bad as it could possibly be. Right. And so were, were you guys, how lean did the team get? Uh, we got down to five people, I think. Five or six. Um, to be profitable on, like... Uh, maybe seven to be profitable on like eight or nine hundred thousand dollars yeah. in uh, in two thousand seven or two thousand eight. Who was um, who was buying the product then? I mean, we're selling a solution that you only need if you're confident you'll be in business a year from now. Yeah, like 
if you think the entire market is about to fall apart and there may not even be a future for civilization, <laughs> how, why on earth would you buy our service? But there were businesses that tended to be really well capitalized. They yeah. had, you know, when there's blood in the streets, buy land. Yeah. Businesses that had been operating conservatively had really good sound financials. They were being, they were taking the downturn as an opportunity to grow yeah. market share. Those were the types of people yeah, that were yeah. investing. Yeah. All right, so two more things. One is, uh, we were talking about this earlier, but um, you have, is it 10 people that are remote? Did I get that? Yeah, about, right? yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, including your kind of head of engineering. That's right. Um, at one point, you had two engineers, only two engineers, and both were remote. Yeah. Um, and so I'd love just your, your thoughts on, uh, we were talking a little bit about kind of the pros and cons of that. Um, you were mentioning a little bit around the culture. Um, sometimes it's, it's tough to get let's say junior engineers in when the senior engineers aren't here and they really would benefit from that. Uh, but it sounds like you've overcome that now with a, with enough people. But anyway, what, why'd you decide to do that? And what have been the pros and cons? And I got one uh, more after that. So why would you decide to go the remote, remote yeah. route? Well, my personal view is I don't think you should, I just don't want to do anything that smacks of abridging someone's freedoms. You know, if we hire you to be on the team, we trust you. Mm -hmm. And so we're not paying for you. There, there are certain positions where it is necessary to be in a particular seat for a particular hour. Yep. And, and we have some of those positions, and like, that's the job description, so that's what people do. But, like, outside of that, you know, if you're in a creative position or a sales position, product development position, like, I don't want to confine you to a particular area you know if you can be our our thing is you know work wherever you feel most productive whenever you feel most do productive people have to come in every day could they could they take that remote here How see what i'm saying i mean if i lived in atlanta oh yeah we have I, a bunch of remote people here in atlanta yeah they yeah. just work from yeah I like work from right. home. and they like to come in regularly and so yeah. they come in because they like so to. it's a it's kind of part of your culture that other than a few roles that you say have to kind of be here, whatever. Well, a role that would have to, like, say your job was to be the receptionist. We don't have a receptionist, yeah. but here's an example. If your job was to be the receptionist and you received people yeah. as they came into the office, yeah. you would need to be there then. That yeah. would be the job. But if it's not a job like that. So all other roles are open to, hey, right. I like to work home three days a week. Yeah. yeah. And that's and some people love to do that. We ask them to, like, hey, you know, real estate is expensive, so, like, make the decision of whether you want to be working from home yeah. or working from the office and let's plan around that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And most people prefer to work here. I'll add, I'll put a caveat on that. We did find that we were struggling to hire uh, great young talent that needed to be in an environment of yeah. mentorship with more senior developers particularly. And so we did for the last several product development side the engineering side of things we were like hey we've got this is what our culture's like do whatever you want wherever you want whenever you want however we have a goal here which is to create a culture where more junior developers can come in and develop themselves and we feel like to make that happen we'd like to get some people who are interested in working from here yeah so if that's you if you're interested in being here we'd like to hire you if you want if you feel like you prefer to do something else then we're not going to do that. That's the one time yeah. we really 
departed from that, but we have now enough of a critical mass in our product team that we're going to be back to yeah. do whatever. So you said you have 27, right, total? Yeah. But then you, you have some pretty ambitious growth plans this year? Like pretty, we're targeting 20 hires. So we're so Doubling the company, huh? Yeah. We grew the staff 40% last year. Wow. Um, which is crazy. Yeah. And right now, this company is five times bigger than any company I've ever worked with in my entire life. <laughs> So you're absolutely equipped to run this. Company. Right, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we have ambitious growth plans. That twenty is a target. Um, there are things we won't sacrifice to hit that. 20. Yeah. And particularly cultural related things or candidate. How has growing that much uh, impacted the culture? Um, you got to think about different things um, when you're seven people the culture just is like it's a reflection of the it's the reflection yeah. of the leaders on the team um when you go from that seven to ten over a two-year period you know those three that you've added really absorb what you know was there with the seven before and it kind of they reflect it yep when you go from 10 to 20 in a two-year period you've got as many people who have been at the company less than two years as you do who have been with the company more than five years or whatever. Yeah. And at that point, we had to get, we had to articulate what the culture was and talk about it on a regular basis. It became something that there needs to be a ch champions of. Yeah. And that became a big part of my job as the, uh, as the CEO, founder, torchbearer, steward <laughs> guy. Yeah. Um, and so now it's really, and, and you have to institutionalize some of the things, some of the reminders. Yeah. Like I think, you know, in our culture, we have a lot of institutionalized reminders, you know, holidays and traditions and things like that. And we, as we're larger to keep people mindful of, you know, mindful of us having a culture of empowerment, innovation, integrity, and make sure we're recruiting people that are friendly and and committed and resourceful and things yeah. like that. You actually have to list out those things and talk about them on a regular basis. Yeah. And build, create your own traditions. So yeah. we're doing that now. Yeah. Have been for the last couple of years as we've really been growing. Yeah. All right. Last thing was, and let me just pull it up. Um, you have one of the best quotes that I've heard about the Atlanta uh, startup scene that was actually made. I think this was made. Was this made like four years ago? Was that? I don't know. What does that correct? say? It was a long it time ago. Updated 2011, February 11th. Yeah. Is that about four right? years ago? Yeah. So, four year old quote. So, maybe it doesn't hold true today, but it was a Quora thread. The name of the Quora thread, by the way, is What is the Startup and Talent Pool Like in Atlanta? And there's all these recognizable names on here Rob Kishik, Sunjay, and and then you, but anyway, I was, I stumped Lance Weatherby as well. But anyway, I'm reading one of these points and these are a lot of the like originals in the Atlanta startup scene, you know, that, that have kind of been around for, for multiple, you know, for like the last yeah. 10 years, you know, but your last line was, um, here's your last line. We're slow cooking barbecue. They're igniting flambe. They both taste great, but the preparation of the latter attracts far more attention. And you're kind of talking about other Atlanta versus other cities in terms yeah. of talent pool and startups and all that. What are you, I think that's an amazing line about the city, and I think it's spot on. What, what do you think? Does it still hold up? How do you, you know, it does. But yeah. there's a lot more flambe in Atlanta now than there was four years ago, <laughs> and there just wasn't any money in Atlanta. Or I wasn't available. Wasn't any money available to me in yeah, Atlanta yeah. Um, five years ago? It's changed a lot, and sure. so the businesses that were growing tended to be self-funded 
and and businesses that worked, you know, they were working and they were not they were operating profitably, and so they were growing probably more slowly um, than a business that raised fifteen or twenty million dollars or yeah. something like that. Uh, and also, there weren't really any with businesses like our company and and Robert's company or Robert and Collins company and and a bunch of others. Like, you don't send a press release like, "Hey, we just signed up our ten thousandth customer." And like no one doesn't like that doesn't Ravash is not writing about yeah. that. They're writing about they just raised two million dollars or they just raised ten million dollars or they just sold. And that wasn't really happening with Atlanta businesses then. And so there are a whole lot of businesses out here just signed up. They're thousandth or their hundredth or their ten thousandth or they you know, they just had their first, you know, month where they you know, they made they profited a hundred thousand dollars or whatever it is. Yeah. Like and those were not those things don't get talked about. Like, yeah. They're not flambe getting ignited. We're just, we got that hog and we're roasting it all day long, <laughs> you know? Yeah. making something good. I think there's a lot more investment happening in Atlanta, which I think is a really good thing. Um, it makes it harder to hire people. Uh, harder. There's more competition for hiring great talent. Yeah. But, um, but now I'd say there's a lot... I've never, I've never in my life been to Silicon Valley, so I don't know. But it feels like there's aspects of Atlanta now that resemble, um, resemble Silicon Valley or Boston or New York, yep. more so than there were then. Yeah. Um, and and I think that's good. But I want us to keep making. I don't want us to lose sight of all the barbecue. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it. That was a, a good amount of time. So I appreciate you spending spending some time on a Friday afternoon uh, talking. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it.